Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Nasiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 408, zero to 2,100 employees with Alex O'Brien from the Cardinal Group. And I think one thing that helped me, Justin, was the recognition of my growth matters to my team. If I want to be the best leader I can be, you're not just doing this for yourself, you're doing it for your team, for your people. They're looking at you to captain the ship. They want the best captain they can get too. It's important for their career and the stability of the business that they're invested in. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have had this conversation with Alex. I reached out to him cold via LinkedIn because I saw he was in Denver and he was a Marine who has done incredible things as an entrepreneur and basically treated this interview as part two of a conversation with him. Here's a couple of things that stood out to me that I hope you benefit from this interview. One thing is at one point Alex says, I don't know anything, pay me and teach me. And I think that's such a great thought as he was taking different jobs as he was starting his company. Such a great way to approach anything, which is find something that can make money and teach you a skill set and that will benefit from you. I really appreciate his lessons on patience, and you'll hear that in his 15-year journey of building up a real estate company that spans so many different functional areas now, but it wasn't an overnight success. And I hope you appreciate, regardless of your intended career or life path, the role that patience has played in his journey. And going along with that, keep your ears out for a great analogy. He talks about pounding the rock, and it's not a single pound that cracks the rock, but it's the repeated, relentless intention of showing up every day. And I think there's a lot there that I can learn as well. Going along with that, his story really has these threads of constant improvement. And I found myself really aspiring to do a better job of that in my work at Captivate.ai, of just finding ways that I can always be learning and growing growing and deepening. And that combined with that relentlessness of the rock pounding can really change the world. I love his thought on culture and I encourage you to follow Alex and his company on social media. They are really about cultivating a team and I'm just appreciating his thoughts on inclusivity and how creating an incredible place to work really depends on understanding each unique person, their history and what they're wanting out of life. And then you can create and craft an environment that's right for them. It was really powerful to think of that from a cultural standpoint. As always at beyondtheuniform.org, there are show notes with links to what we discuss, timestamps for the key points of this interview, and 407 other interviews similar to this one, all provided for free. So with that, let's dive into my conversation with Alex. Joining me today, also in Denver, my guest is Alex O'Brien. Alex, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Oh, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me, Justin. So I want to give listeners two things. I want to give them context for why we're connecting and then an abbreviated bio for Alex. I found Alex, I believe, on LinkedIn. I think I saw his company had posted something saying that he was a veteran and I saw he was in Denver. So I just reached out to him to connect with a fellow entrepreneur. He was gracious enough to accept. And when I reached out, I thought he had founded a company with 800 employees. I realized that it's actually closer to 2,100 employees. And I just got a tiny enough taste in our conversation 
conversation where I was like, this is a pretty incredible story and wanted for myself to dig deeper, but also for our audience to let you hear about this incredible story. So here is his background. Alex is the chief executive officer at Cardinal Group Companies, a fully integrated real estate investment, construction, development, marketing, and management firm specializing in opportunistic and value-added investments throughout the United States. Alex started out at Miami University, after which he served in the Marine Corps for four years as a logistics officer. He started the Cardinal Group out of the Marine Corps and over the last 15 years has bootstrapped his company. For those of you that are unfamiliar with that term, bootstrap means he did not bring on outside investment. He bootstrapped his company to over 2,100 employees, somehow finding time to earn an MBA at Chicago's Booth School of Business along the way. So Alex, let me start with, I want to set context. So you're on the streets, you bump into another Marine and they're like, oh, Alex, what do you do for a living? How do you explain the Cardinal Group? Yeah, that's a great question. And I used to say I'm in real estate and then everyone I met would ask me whether they should sell their house or not. And I was like, you might want to contact a professional, get a realtor. They actually know what they're talking about. So yeah, I say that I run a company that provides housing for over 100,000 people. And it's just awesome. I think to me, I've always been really focused on impact. That's probably what took me to the Marine Corps and just kind of guided a lot of my journey. But at this point, you know, we've built this amazing company and team, but at the end of the day, we get to provide housing for people. And a lot of that has been student housing for young people going to college for the first time, and which is really cool to do. But we really expanded more recently into multiple product types and housing types. So yeah, I either brag that I get to lead the best team in the business, or I brag that we get to provide housing, one of the most important needs of any person to over 100,000 people. So it's pretty cool. It's just interesting hearing you say that. It's so interesting how the way that someone describes what they do is really representative, I think, of their mission. And there's just such a difference between real estate versus I'm providing 100,000 people with housing. It feels like a lot more emotional leverage. It feels better to think of the service that you're providing. Could you rewind the clock for us? So 15 years ago, and actually I forget offhand if you started this while in the Marines or afterwards, but take us through what was the genesis of the Cardinal Group? Yeah. Well, it's funny now that we've been doing this 15 years because I always say we're an overnight success. It just took 15 years to do it. But a lot of people, especially that are new with the Cardinal brand are like, wow, you guys have, you know, it's crazy how quickly you've done this. I'm like, quickly, my ass, we've been working 80 hours a week for 15 years. So my math's not very good, but you can imagine that's a lot of hard work. But actually my partners, we always just look back fondly on the start of our company and just how we got started. And when you say bootstrapped and for the military guys calling me a boot out there, that's a different meeting. But, you know, I was in the Marine Corps. I actually had signed a power of attorney while on deployment to buy our first single family home. <laughs> so truly my other three partners and I had started while this was a side business for really all of us until it wasn't. And then it became a real opportunity and the dream kind of started to look like a reality. And we were really young guys. We're blessed with a lot of support around us and people that were really betting on the horse. And all we really knew at that point was, was student housing, being just out of college and kind of seeing the change in college housing and helping to get on the front end of that. And we were right, you know, when we started the business in 2007 compared to 
student housing and where it is today in 2021. We really were the benefactor of being in the right sector and, and really riding that curve up. But yeah, truly four uh, founders aligned on this idea of like, let's build a great company from the ground up and challenge the status quo and be disruptors and <laughs> all these fun things, which sounded ridiculous at the time, but to see that we were able to actually find success and doing that, it's just awesome. I, it's fun to tell the story, not just for myself, but for the other three founders and for all the people. We're at 2,000 people now, but there's been hundreds and hundreds of people who have just made Cardinal what it is today. So to some extent, I'm telling their story um, and the company that they've made and that they've helped get to where it's at today. So the three people that you started it with, how did you find them? And I'm just particularly curious for anyone listening who aspires to start a company and is thinking of how do I find someone if I want to found it with someone else? How do I find them and vet them and make sure I'm not torpedoing the company from the inception by having the wrong partners around me? Yeah. And I think, Justin, obviously you talked to a lot of entrepreneurs most will say the same thing, which is besides your partner, your spouse, your business partners, single or multiple are the, the most important decision you can make. And we feel really blessed to have a partnership that has thrived over the last 15 years. And I think we just found this kind of mutual respect over friendship, if that makes sense. Everyone kind of had a third degree separation from each other, but no one was actually close friends. It was more of we each saw each other as truly like someone that was bringing something unique and valuable to the partnership. And although we started with this kind of all for one, one for all approach, I think we quickly grew into everyone kind of taking a lane and being accountable and responsible to each other. There is this deep, deep vetting process. To some extent, we got lucky <laughs> because it worked. But I think the more kind of learning point of it, it was don't just choose someone who brings the exact same thoughts and skills that you do. And it's funny, and maybe some will logically call out that to say we have a diverse partnership to start was inaccurate. We were four white men. So I don't think at that point we truly understood the true value of diversity in a team. But within that group, there were enough diversity and kind of background and experiences that each brought something unique and different to the table that was valuable and impactful. So I think when people get partners wrong, they usually choose an echo chamber type partner, you know, just two people who know the same things and do the same things. They even worked at the same company and then they launched together. So they might even have very similar ways of thinking about it, but that duplicative nature isn't very valuable. I think it's the diversity that's valuable. So I still tease my partners. I say, you guys actually needed someone who would work. So that's how they pick a Marine like me to join the team. But in all seriousness, we all had different skills, but a shared vision. And that's the recipe. Each person adds value while also all working towards the same goal, which is something as veterans, I think we all understand. Yeah. So super blessed, obviously. It's easy to look at the success and have hindsight bias that like, well, we made the right decision and we picked the right partners, but I can't stress enough how important that is. And just like any partnership, maybe in your personal life or relationship, there's tough times. And I think those that would run away quickly from a partnership personally aren't great professional partners either. And that's a skill set, that resilience of like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And you want partners who are going to stick it out and be there for each other and hopefully form a long lasting partnership. 
What was the scale or stage of the company when you actually departed the Marine Corps? And correct me if I'm wrong, was it you left the Marine Corps and you went straight into Cardinal Group? Was there something else you were working on? And one other thing I'll tack on there is I'm always curious how long you were able to go until you could start drawing money from the business? Because I think it's helpful for listeners to know whether you were drawing on savings, you had some sort of side job, or how you kind of flowed this into being an actual paying full-time job. Yeah, that's a great question. And when I left the Marine Corps, we were truly just getting started. And that actually informed a lot of my decision on leaving the Marine Corps in 2007. And I was just ready to go for it. (laughs) To say I had another job lined up, I did briefly work in a few consulting and research roles in real estate, just trying to cut my teeth and learn more about the industry. And I kind of committed to companies. I don't know anything, but I'll work hard. And in exchange, you pay me and teach me. And I did that for a year and a half. But yeah, there was kind of this moment where we didn't really own real estate, but we owned a real estate company. And that always got a lot of jokes from our friends, but it was a night job and we really sacrificed a lot. And not to, I guess I'll kind of boost up my partners here is that we all had kind of day jobs and a life going on. And then we're really committed to the growth of this business. And at night we'd get together and write business plans and PPMs on how to raise money to buy real estate. So I think we were really committed and all four of us were working other jobs and then slowly partners almost launched. We kind of stood in line at the door of the plane and said, all right, who's up first? And one person jumped and the rest of us stayed in the plane and kept working. And then we'd use that money to fund Cardinal Group um, to start. So when you say bootstrap, no joke, we were using our salaries to kind of launch this on the side and foregoing consumption and nicer cars and nicer apartments. I mean, we were truly kind of all in on this business. And that's probably a good learning point for future entrepreneurs is like, when you say you're all in, you got to go all in and it's not going to be pretty at first. And we were living in our own studio apartments that we were renovating at the time and trying to draw management fees and make the investment work. So it's always been about foregoing current consumption and investing in the business. So we took, a lot of people don't believe this, but we took $36,000 salaries for the first three or four years of the business. And every penny was rolled back into the next big hire the next important piece of infrastructures. And I think that's important. We weren't funded, so we were funding it ourselves. And now we're reaping the benefit of that. We own the business outright with no debt, no outside partners. We've been able to kind of choose our own destiny, but to get to that point required a lot of sacrifice. And in hindsight, I don't know if I'd do it again. (laughs) maybe, Maybe that's the learning point. I would have done it easier. I would have just taken outside investment and those moments of hardship really developed the skill sets that have made us successful. Very gritty business, very focused on best idea wins, really culture and kind of team centric. And none of that happens if you're well-funded and maybe life's a little easier. So a lot of the hard times really built the skill sets that have made us successful in the last decade of our growth. What was the rough span of time until all of you working kind of nights? And then I love this image of just people parachuting out one by one. How long until all of you were actually in the company working on that as your full job? Yeah, really like 09, 08, 09 timeframe. It's like a year or two of that. Wow. 
then I took the ultimate funding, which was taking student debt to go back and get my MBA. Right as we really started raising a little money and doing our own acquisitions, launching a management company, this was kind of 09 timeframe. I went back to business school to get my MBA. So was growing Cardinal, was getting my MBA, was actually met my wife there. So I always joke I had three full-time jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Was that kind of a collective decision of the four of you just kind of saying like, hey, we need this skill who's going to do this? Or was it something that you really wanted to do for yourself? Or like, how did you as a partnership approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think it was a little bit of both. I was really committed to doing whatever I could to add value to the team. And I still am today. And I think that's just kind of how I think. Maybe that's the Marine in me that will always be there. But I recognize that I'd been a part of the Marine Corps. I knew a little bit about organizational behavior, certainly enough about just servant leadership. And I've been blessed to work with just some amazing leaders who invested in me um, while in the Marine Corps. And I felt like I had kind of your normal military skill set, but then lacked a lot in finance and accounting. I didn't even know what investment banking or consulting were in hindsight, looking back. So I kind of felt like this was my commitment to the partnership to fill in the skill set. And while at the University of Chicago, I focused a lot on private equity and real estate, spent time as part of the Chicago's leadership program, where I was really reflective investing in what skills do I need to ensure I could be a leader at this organization. And I'm always a big fan. I always tell people, be like Pete Rose and just bet on yourself to win. And that was to me what I thought of the NBA. And, and I had really supportive partners. They not only encouraged me, but also knew that that was a big time commitment and, and that I would be splitting focus, but knew that would pay off in the long run. And I do think definitely a more complete professional. Both my experiences, if you look at it, were kind of more generalist, the military, obviously, organizational behavior, leadership, management, or developing org structures and logistics, things like that. And then obviously getting the degree in MBA, which is naturally, even if you have a specialty behind it, is a little bit of everything. So I think that really, those two things combined, and then the experience throughout my time here building Cardinal, have, I think just given me a really broad view of business. And that's been helpful. And part of my role here, obviously, as the CEO is to be kind of this person over it all. And that's been great. So I'll just name for listeners. One thing I'm jealous of, I went directly from submarines to business school. And at least the story I have someone in your situation is that having had some work experience prior to getting your MBA and having your own company through the MBA program, I just imagine you were able to apply the things you were learning in the classroom in a very practical, tangible way that for me, it was much more abstract. And I just kind of love that as a role model of really getting more out of the class because you knew what it was being funneled towards. I think that's really great. And the other thing that I remember what I was going to say earlier was one of the things I appreciate most about your story to this point is you talk about all-in commitment. Like, I really like that phrase. But you're also an example of like your group of four, you were all-in committed and you were working elsewhere. And I just want to like highlight that for listeners as one potential example, because I feel like so much more of the conventional wisdom is like, well, if Alex was all-in, he would have just quit a job from day one and just been all-in on this startup, which it seems like would have completely tanked the company to try to be drawn 
find money and all of these other things. So I just wanted to point out that, and correct me if you disagree with this, it's an example of being all in and committed to a company, but realizing it might take a couple of years to be able to have everyone truly within the confines of the business. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to get it done. There's not one way to do it. And I think that strategically, we were not keeping our jobs as a safety net. There wasn't a thought of, well, if this doesn't work, I want to keep my one hand on the monkey bar and not grab the next one. It was truly a funding mechanism of what are we willing to do to make this a success? And so I do think there's a little nuance there. But yeah, I think if you're an entrepreneur, then you just have to be comfortable with the fact that there's some unknowns and there's risk and it's really muddy and cloudy at times. And as much as we all like to act like we're amazing strategists who had it all figured out and do the next nine steps, the fog of war is real in entrepreneurship too. Sometimes you can only see one month in front of your face and you just got to kick ass and gonna get through that month. And then sometimes it's more clear and the whole next year makes a lot of sense and you have clear vision on it. So I just think if you can only see the one month in front of your face, that's okay too. That's just part of the journey that we all have to go through as entrepreneurs. Could you talk about over the last 15 years? So when I read your bio, we talked about fully integrated real estate investment, construction, development, marketing, and management. So five different things that I'm just tracking right there. Could you talk about from when you started in 2007 till today, where did you start? I'm guessing it wasn't with all of those. And then how did you start adding those on? Was that kind of deliberate where you pulled into it? I think it's just interesting to try to dissect and see for a company of the scale that you are now, when that started branching out and how those branches came about. Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I think it looks really smooth when you look over time to see how we put it off, but it was certainly uh, clunky at times. And maybe other entrepreneurs that are trying to add different revenue streams or roll out new products, starting a company and then rolling out new products are very different skill set. And selling six things instead of one thing is <laughs> a unique challenge. And Largely, we wanted to control our own destiny. We knew that. And I think that was really important to us. And you saw that in a lot of our decision-making, not just from the financing of the business, but just we wanted to bet on ourselves. And I think that having a four-person partnership is different than being a sole proprietor, where maybe you're more naturally thinking, okay, what resources do I need to surround myself with? And I have to do it all and I'm making all the decisions. Like We had a lot of confidence because we knew we could rely on the partnership. And then we had accountability back to the partnership. So I think that drove us to be a little more aggressive in terms of launching new parts of our business, knowing we can do this and someone can kind of cover this part of the business. And almost we can do it all. And that can be a fool's errand at time and not go well. But I think we pulled it off in the sense that the launch points of our product were kind of this incubation strategy of we were just an owner operator for five years, just running our own account, buying our own deals. And then we started winning a few awards and we got a little bit of a reputation. People said, well, can you do that for us? Could you manage our real estate? And we said, no, but we'll call you back in a year. (laughs) So let us actually figure this out. And So we were in the business seven years before we ever took the responsibility of managing other people's real estate because we knew it was important. We knew it mattered to them. We wanted to be a good partner and provide great services and also find why us? Why hire Cardinal when there's other established companies in the space? So we were very intentional about 
launching that management business. And then each time, each business that we own or invested in or partner with kind of followed that same incubate, get it right, start with a very small, either client base or small set of responsibilities. And then when you have the product where you want it, kind of launch it to the broader market. And then we've done that with marketing, with construction. So at the core of our business, we're investors and operators of real estate. And then each of our additional products almost allows us to do what we're good at, but do it for other people. And that's been great. I just really like this thought of incubating and getting it right. And the stage of company that I'm at right now, when you talked about the people saying, hey, could you manage this for us? I immediately feel the part of me that's like, yes, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. We'll get the money. And I really like that discipline of just saying, hey, give us a year. And I respect the craftsman work of really figuring it out, doing your research, starting small, making sure that you could credibly work with these people. It just seems like a level of responsibility that I feel like is harder at times for me to do when you want to just do whatever it takes to make money. Yeah, that's the hard part. of As an entrepreneur, you have to worry about the now and the future at the same time. And our future was about our reputation as being trustworthy, as offering great products. As, and the now was, we actually need money <laughs> you know, to keep the lights on. But one of the best things we did, and this sounds like it's a four-person story and it's far from it, was we just hired great people along the way. And each of the products that I'm talking about, each of the growth None of that would have happened is just the four of us. We were just, (laughs) when I look back, it's truly just still amazes me, but we were just blessed by hiring great people and they believed in the mission. They believed in the company. They believed in us. I don't want to ever underappreciate that. And for those of us who have been in leadership roles, like having people trust you as a leader is a ton of responsibility. And so we just had amazing people join our team, many who are still here today and just went all in also. They just leaned in and worked hard and cared and had great ideas. And that's probably more important, the kind of rules of business, kind of first who, then what. We really got that right. And we hired just great people. And that doesn't stop now. Even today, our team just keeps getting better and better. But that's always been part of our success story is the people who made Cardinal better. They didn't just join it. They took ownership. They took accountability. And they wanted this to be an amazing company. And largely where we are today is not because of the four of us. It's because of the thousands of people who have come along for the journey. I want to come back to this, but I want to ask a different question first. One thing I'm thinking about is you described it as it seems like from the outside perspective was an overnight success. And yet there's a lot of overnights that happened. As you look back, was there a moment where it felt like it shifted gears for you, where you just felt like we're either out of the woods or we've reached a new point? And maybe that's occurred multiple times. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious if it feels like new plateau, new plateau, new plateau, or if it's just been like a grind the whole way. Oh man. One of my worst skills is to just stop and enjoy the journey. So I hope other entrepreneurs are better at it and just take a moment to reflect on each of those moments where it is something special. And I do look back and different parts of the hockey stick, you know, growth in which, you know, we've really gone like that. And I think that's the long patient game you have to play sometime. And certainly there's others out there who just start it and it's a success and they grow. And that's awesome. I mean, that sounds like the better path to take, but really in 2017, there was a confluence of events where our reputation, I think had solidified us as we had such momentum that 
maybe it was a little too late. And since then, we've just gobbled up an unbelievable amount of market share. We've raised a ton of capital of groups that they want their investment to go through a fully integrated operating company like Cardinal Group. We've attracted kind of a who's who list of talent, even in our industry. So I think in 2017, we felt like we were making a transition from where we were into a different group of competitors, if that makes sense. And I think before our competitors recognized that same thing, we had made some pretty strategic moves and and had a lot of success that's really solidified the last few years of growth for us, which have been significant. Really, the 17 through 21 have been just each year's the best year. Each one's a monumental year. But you know, I always say like when you're in startup mode, you're in the harbor and the waters are super choppy and it's like the most dangerous time. Like you got to get out to open waters. <laughs> and you know that better, you know, as a submarine guy, it's like there's dangerous points and then there's kind of smooth sailing points. And I definitely remember that moment where it felt like, okay, it's not an if now, it's just a potential question. I truly believe Cardinal Group has the potential to be the standard bearer of excellence in the industries that we operate in. And now that's my focus is like, will we live up to that potential? But for a long time, it was like, are we going to make it? Is this even going to be a viable company? And are we going to even stay in business? And a lot of entrepreneurs don't. If you survive five years as an entrepreneur, you need to pat yourself on the back. That's a hell of a journey. And so for us, there was a moment really in 2017 where it became let's go big on this thing because it's working when we have a great team and a great opportunity. And it was almost like we were counting cards and it's like, all right, now's the hand we're going to go all in on and play it big. And that worked really well for us. And that was 10 years really into your journey that that all in moment seemed to come. Yeah. And I think, man, there was a lot of disappointment before then too. I mean, as you know, and others listening, like When you've been grinding away for like nine years, just waiting for your number to be called, it's tough. It's tough not to give up. It's tough to be like, this sucks. We're working our ass off. We're not making any money. We're foregoing other opportunities. It's not like, it wasn't like I was unemployable with a Marine Corps officer background and an MBA from the University of Chicago. It's tough to keep going sometimes. And I think that's where having partners is awesome. A lot of people will skip the gym if they're going by themselves. But if you know you have a partner there waiting, your accountability partner is texting you like, hey, I'm already here. Where are you at? I think we almost at different times just leaned on each other and said, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. (laughs) Let's keep doing this. Look at the team we have. Look at this culture we've created. Don't give up. And I think that it was during the hard moments is where you really lean on the partnership to like, let's just keep moving. It felt like we were almost there for so long. And we always say, and our chief people officer did this speech called Pound the Rock, which was really impactful for us. And it was about the San Antonio Spurs and this idea of just keep doing the right things. I think in the Navy SEALs, they say, just do the next hard thing. There's kind of this mentality of the next thing we do will be the thing that finally breaks the rock. We just keep hitting it. It's not one hit that did it. It's the fact that we did the same thing a thousand times. So finally getting that breakthrough moment where we went from, if we're going to make it to how big can we take this thing? It felt great. It felt great looking back. I love that. I love that insight. And that is such a powerful, beautiful image of the relentless, just day in, day out pounding. And really for me, underscores the value of having partners to kind of keep that motivation going. And one thing I wanted to ask about is how your role, you've been president and now CEO, you've been in that position for essentially 15 years. 
And I would love to learn how your role has changed over time. And part of the reason I ask is when I left the Navy on submarines, I was a division officer and I had seen enough department heads to see that there were the next level up. That's what I would have become. I saw there were department heads that you knew they crushed it as a division officer, but they never, at least when I knew them, they never switched gears to be a great department head because it was a completely different skill set. And same thing for the XO and the CEO. And in my mind, I'm always like, man, do I have what it takes to shift gears and grow with a company? And you're demonstrating, I'm guessing in 15 years, it's essentially four or five different companies that you've been at the helm at. And so I'm just kind of curious how you view your role as having changed or the skill set or the leadership that you brought, how that has transitioned over time. What a great question. And I think no matter where you're at, the title of CEO hasn't changed my approach to that thinking of constant improvement. So I'm not done. (laughs) I haven't peaked yet and I want to keep growing and learning and getting better and also empowering others to do the same thing. I think for me personally, my measure of success is how many great leaders are going to have the Cardinal Group kind of stop on their journey. That's kind of where I look and say, we have some amazing people who have left the company and are doing their own thing and doing great things. And that is awesome. That's what I want. I want a whole bunch of alumni who say, I love my time there. However long or short it was, hopefully years and years and years, but I'm still committed to that growth. And I think if you ever stop that commitment, that's probably kind of dangerous waters for you. But certainly every day we hire one more person, I become the CEO of the largest company I've ever managed. Every day we get one more dollar of revenue. It's now the largest company. And I think that that's the growth mindset I have, my partners have. And our executives had when I became CEO in 2020 and my partner, Dell, who had held the role for 10 years and just done a great job and wanted to give hand the reins to me, which was just an honor for me to be the next CEO of the company. But one of the first things I wanted to do was go from founder led to an executive led business and make sure that we had all the right voices around us. And I think that that was really important part of our growth and success. But I think for me, the moment of probably the biggest growth, and I think part of this is size and part of this is just a recognition. And I have individualization as one of my strengths, if you do strength finders. And I've always been big on what does the cardinal journey mean to each individual team member? And that's always been important to me. But I also think I really had a blind spot on, we had won so many trophies. If you grow up and everyone tells you like, you're awesome, you start thinking that and then you realize maybe that's not all true. And I think we had this moment and me specifically as a leader of this company where we had one best place to work for every year. Some new article was coming out about best culture and what a great company we were. And I think we had a blind spot to that wasn't equal application. We weren't the best place to work for anyone. We were the best place to work for some people. And I think when we had that realization and I had that realization and of course had great voices around me, helping me realize that it really changed my approach to leadership at this business and really wanting to focus on, they can be buzzwords to some, they can be really important things to the smart companies, which is what does it truly mean to provide a safe and inclusive environment? What does it mean to truly value diversity at every level of your business? And for us to go from four people to 2000 and growing, we need to have access to the talent market who choose Cardinal, who want their career to be at Cardinal. And that means we have to be the best place to work for everyone. And so I think that's probably 
probably been the best growth area. Certainly there's been maturation of process and just intellectual honesty and problem solving and all kinds of executive skills. But I think the most impactful improvement to our business was where our leadership team really said, we're committed to diversity and safety and inclusion and equity because it matters. These aren't just buzzwords like this is going to define our legacy of where we truly the best place to work for everyone. So that's really changed and been a part of my growth as a leader is to really personalize that and make that part of the company's focus of what we're doing. I love that. It kind of brings me back to one of the things you said at the start, which was like, yeah, we felt like we had a diversity of perspective, but in truth, we were four white guys. And it's just kind of like, I love to see the evolution of realizing we may be the best place to work, but not for everyone. And how do we do that? And I just think that's like a very nuanced answer of like really being empathetic and curious about each person who is incredibly unique and has a different background and different goals and all of these different things. And how do you shape an organization to be serving them in the way that they need to be served. I think that's incredible. I wanted to ask about, I just loved your answer about how you're continuously learning and growing. And I'm wondering for myself and for our listeners, what has helped you continuously learn? And I see you going to get your MBA, but obviously you still got that mindset. Is there entrepreneur groups that have been helpful or is there podcasts or like now or in the past, what are some of those things that have helped you continue to sharpen? Well, I think most things are habitual and I think the habit of learning is probably most important. And just like I say with my own children, I want to teach you to learn, then the rest will kind of fill in. And I think that's how leaders have to approach this is the habit of learning, the habit of improvement of self-reflection. So I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And like any good diet, it has to work for you. What works for me might not work for another person, but I'm really into reading. I think that it's just essential and it seems to be a common trait of those that are successful and whether that's periodicals or online or articles posted or books or get abstract or any of this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of ways to like consume information. I think listening to the audiobooks and podcasts and then surrounding yourself with a group of some sorts. It can be a YPO or Vistage. It can be I've had a really focused effort on building relationship with <laughs> with my competitors, believe it or not. I think there's kind of a it's lonely at the top mentality and the people that can, you can learn the most from is those going through the same experiences and they may be the CEO of a competitor. And although we can't usually talk out loud about it, like those are our great resources to just kind of talk through and see where the struggles lie and see other things that those people are going through. So there's not one way to do it, but it is a commitment. And I think that it's been tough. Obviously I have small children. I'm my family is very important to me. I'm the CEO and I do work a lot, despite popular opinion of the CEO title. Um, you know, I do, uh, I put in a lot of hours. So to find time for personal growth, it can be tricky, but it just has to be a commitment, just like fitness, just like any wellness, your own well being. And I think one thing that helped me, Justin, was the recognition of my growth matters to my team. If I want to be the best leader I can be, you're not just doing this for yourself. You're doing it for your team, for your people. They're looking at you to captain the ship. They want the best captain they can get too. It's important for their career and the stability of the business that they're invested in. So I think when 
if you can't get there because it's about you, which I know, especially a lot of veterans, it's hard to say, I'm going to put my own needs first. That is just not how we're wired as veterans. But to say the team needs me to do this, they need me to improve as the executive of this business. That makes it easier for me because now I'm like, all right, now I will spend time doing these things because I want to be the best version, not of me. I want to be the best version of the CEO of this business. And I think just like in the military where we were kind of taught to respect the rank, I want to be a great CEO of Cardinal Group. That matters to me. I want people of this business to say, we have a great CEO, not for me personally, because I want them to have that confidence in the business they work for. So I take that responsibility very seriously. I think that's such a great answer. The diet analogy is fantastic, where it is much more the commitment to learning and growth that matters and then finding what works for you. But I've never heard that before about the, you know, my growth matters to my team. And I think that is a incredible gift to our listeners, because I think that every single one of the 400 plus people I've interviewed, myself included, like it is very difficult to prioritize our own needs, but that really does flip the script of like, you are doing this in service of others. Like you are doing this for the betterment of the company, the organization, the people that work for you. And for whatever reason, I love that distinction of the title. Like I want to be the best CEO of this company. I don't know why that shifts things for me, but it feels less ambiguous of like, I want to be the best version of myself. It's like, no, I'm in charge of this company. I want to be the best CEO possible. I know that we're at the end of our time. I always like to keep the last question open-ended. You've answered a ton of my questions. I've learned so much. I've been taking notes both for our audience and for myself from our conversation, which listeners can find at beyondtheuniform.org for the show notes. But I'll keep the last one open-ended, which could be either, what have we not talked about that you really want to make sure listeners know? Or just what are some final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with? Well, I would say hire a veteran. If you're a veteran out there, I would just say, like, I would just really want to applaud you, especially, you know, I spend a lot of time with transferring veterans and that can mean a lot of things. Veterans are going through transition at a lot of points in their career, not just when they get out of the military, but after the first year of job, maybe even after their first kind of attempt at a civilian career. And I think that we owe a great deal of respect and hopefully commitment to these veterans to help them grow. And more than that, a veteran can do so much for a team in a business. And there's such a, a deep skill set there for leadership, for management, for adaptability which is more important now than ever. And you start looking at the skills that matter and change management and project management. So not just for my own good, but for the good of, uh, of others. Like when you get that resume and it looks like they haven't done anything except serve in the military, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And I would encourage, and I think this applies to a lot of things. There's a lot of skills that we all have that are transferable. And in the future, that's going to be more important than ever. The future of work is very uncertain. But what we do know is that it will have a lot to do with automation. It will have a much heavier digital footprint. And all of us are about to go through what veterans have gone through, which is I need to start transitioning my skills. And I need to make sure the skills I have are applicable now and more importantly in the future. So we're all in this together and veterans are going through that right now where they're trying to learn new skills that can transition. And for those of you who have given veterans a chance, thank you. And for those of you who haven't been able to get comfortable with that transition, give me a call (laughs) or shoot me an email. And I'd love to be a part of that thought process of making sure that you understand 
just truly how talented these men and women are. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for listeners. This is Alex O'Brien. You can find him at the Cardinal Group. Their website is cardinalgroup.com. If you follow them on social media, you'll see how important leadership is to them as an organization, how strongly it comes through that they're committed to cultivating their team and their employees. I'll have additional resources in the show notes at beyondtheuniform.org. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. And number 408, that feels great. Uh, That's awesome that you've had so many amazing people on. And so I'm really appreciative of the invite. So thanks, Justin. Good to talk with you. Surface, surface, surface. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.